All right, it's being recorded. Where is my eye line? Oh, it's an audio medium? Fantastic. Hello, and welcome to episode 344 of Constructing Comics, building stories one page and panel at a time. This episode, we have an interview with me, Armin Bodner, and my creative partner, Digby Baker-Porzinski. Joining us are our Constructing Comics co-hosts, Matt and Noah. Hi, guys, and welcome to the podcast. Hey there! Hey, thank, thank you. That was you. A, that was an awesome. I'm I'm thrilled to to be uh, introed into into the podcast. You did it. You did it. Yeah. Awesome there. What a way to start <laughs> off 2024. This is awesome. Thank you, Armand. <laughs> oh, just lightening the burden. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, so you guys were on episode uh, three thirty five the last time we talked, and the last time we talked, you guys were in the midst of of running your Kickstarter. But a few things have have changed since then um yes so why don't um, we why don't we talk about where we are right now yeah absolutely it was definitely uh the the gap of time in between our last appearance and this one is much shorter than than my original one um and i re i recently re-listened to that last one me and digby did and all i could all i could think about as i was listening to it was who on earth is this gibbering idiot and why doesn't he shut up and let the other man talk and then i realized oh shit that's my voice um so i can't wait to do that again i'm sure yeah you've really learned your lesson haven't you oh yeah no totally i'm i'm t- I'm, I'm definitely walking away a better man from that one i respect that you've doubled down you're like yeah i am that gibbering idiot and what are you gonna do about it so yeah, it's, I'm gonna... it's way too late in the game it's way i'm gonna too introduce late in the, the podcast that. you can't stop me i'm gonna talk for all yeah. four of you and on on behalf of everyone thank you um, yeah, we're just going yeah, to make life what, easier for everybody. You do, you do. Yeah, so Tales of the Frog Knight is like a success right off the bat. It gets funded. What what happens next for you guys? Um, Digby, do, do you want to go and then I'll go? Or should I go and then you go? Or how do you want to, how do you want to uh, talk about this? Because this is... I'll this start is, well, uh, because you will feel yeah. compelled to uh, interrupt me very shortly. So well, I'll I, get as, will, as much will, of a head start as I can, and then you can just I will hop do my in best to avoid it. But and in the, yeah, in this, the, in this, the case that this is someone's first episode that they ever listened to, Digby, why don't you give a pitch for Tales of the Frog Knight as well, and then we'll just get we'll go from there. Sure thing. So Tales of the Frog Knight is a low fantasy medieval setting, uh, following a young and silent knight as he travels across a war torn country and tries to stay alive and find what good may be left in the world. Uh, it is- Also, the, that knight is a frog. The frog part is probably important. I wouldn't want you to it's, come into I here. know it's baked into the title, but you never know. <laughs> um, yeah, so going back to your previous question, uh, it was, we were riding such a high after the Kickstarter campaign success. Uh, we had set it, um, with the hope of reaching five thousand uh, dollars to launch our first issue in in the first month, um, and we had already had like the discussion of okay, well, if we if we miss it by like three thousand dollars, I could probably cover that. I'll just get a loan, and then we we can still make this this comic happen, or we could just like draw it with crayons and hand it out at the local library or something. Uh, and we were blown away to have our initial estimate uh, funded in less than twelve hours, and. Throughout the course of the one-month campaign, we made uh, $40,000 from uh, over 1,000 backers around the world. So we were absolutely astonished and blown away by the outpouring of support for Frog Knight. 
Uh, and then the campaign ended and we went, oh my God, we have to make a book out of this. So <laughs> we sat down and we talked about what the next steps were. And I think that we were both a little surprised to find how many there were, uh, because it wasn't simply uh, send this off to the printer and we'll uh, get the issues right in the hands of our backers. Um, we were finding all of the intricacies of uh, making sure that we had the right materials ready, making sure that the like formatting of the book itself was was ready. We had funded a entire uh, additional story that we had not previously written. So once that was written, Armand had to actually go through and draw it. And we had to go through several rounds of edits for the whole thing. Um, so the bottom line was the journey had barely started. Uh, and we managed to get the PDF out in December. And we're hoping to have the uh, issue itself printed by the end of the month. And I can't believe that I've been able to talk this long. Uh, so I feel like I want to hand it off to my partner because he's surely brimming with things to say. Uh, no, no, tonight you caught me. Uh, I'm really like, I'm just looted up and I'm just going to coast, man. Are you okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I'm I'm completely kidding. I'm ready to fill. I'm ready to fill the airwaves with the uh, semi-melodious sound of my voice. Um, yeah, Digby, Digby is is absolutely correct. Um, so to to anyone listening who has not heard the uh, the last um, interview we did on here, uh, you know we'll, we'll push some product. Go listen to that one. That was episode something three three five. Yeah, three thirty five. That is correct. Three five, and yep. uh, there we do we do a. a a very deep dive about you know like the project what we were how how we kind of went into it its conception all that stuff so so this time around i'm very excited to get to talk about sort of the 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 production and what happened uh in between you know getting getting successfully funded on kickstarter and now finally getting the book into people's hands um and digby is 100% correct to say that it was a uh, far more work than we anticipated. And I, I don't feel any shame in, in admitting that. Um, we did not, you know, we certainly didn't fund a book and then realize, well, now we have to make a book. Um, when we, when we put up the Kickstarter, when we were funding it, we said, you know, our, our, um, the sort of party line was the book is pretty much done because in many ways it was, we had, I had finished more or less all the art. Uh, I had finished the kind of first pass at lettering um and that at that moment to us was what we've got it all look at all this work we've put in it's taken us a year of just slowly putting this together piecemeal this book is done and that was uh there was a bit of hubris and a lot of ignorance that went into that because the act of producing a book after all that stuff gets done is is incredibly uh time consuming and incredibly complex um in a way that i did not anticipate because you can't know what you don't know and while i do have you know i would i suppose specialized training in making comics thanks to my um studies at the kubert school a lot of that is sort of the front end it's it's the drawing it's the inking it's the coloring it's the lettering the production side the editing side all that stuff um it took a lot longer for me because i had to learn it as i went and there's not one good resource for that i had to learn a lot kind of piecemeal everyone's got different ideas about everything from what size pages should be 
to what resolution you print at, to how to export your files, and to how do you compile them in Illustrator. Do you want to do like just TIFF formats out of Illustrator? Do you want to go into InDesign? It was a nightmare. Um, I'm lucky enough that I have uh, a lot of you know artist friends who I can kind of lean on for uh, information for that that help, and and a great many of them were a great boom to me putting that together. But also, it's just me. Like I am the whole production team and I, I really overworked myself uh trying to trying to meet a deadline we had initially anticipated uh that we were never going to hit at the end of it and we i think we'll talk about that in depth when it comes to our how our fulfillment plans got absolutely torpedoed by the holidays um i almost want to yeah. take a moment and quickly reassure listeners there is a book coming we are like Ninety-nine percent done. Right now, we're waiting on the prints and the well, and the, no, and the proofing of the prints. We we are a hundred percent done. The book is wrapped. The digital <laughs> copies are out. It's the files are off at print right now. We're just waiting on the proof copies to approve them, and then we can you know get the big order in hand. Like the the, it's officially reached the stage where the book is no longer in our hands in terms of production. We are well past the the official endpoint, and it feels so good to finally be there it feels wonderful uh but yeah i i i don't feel um any shame or any problem in saying that man did i completely uh underestimate exactly how much work i was gonna have to do to get this thing done and i i deeply appreciate how um how understanding our backers and supporters were the whole way uh, it was. It's not, you know, overall the delay between what we said we are going to deliver and fulfillment, not very long, uh, you know, a month or two just because of shipping issues and, and whatnot. Um, but I have certainly learned a considerable amount. And now that I know exactly what I'm doing, like now that I've done it all, this next one's going to be a piece of cake because I know exactly what to do ahead of time. Um, I know how to format all my pages and get everything ready. So I, I'm supremely confident now uh probably more hubris um but um yeah you said that last time time. (laughs) i'm gonna say that Mm -hmm. until i'm dead that's that's how that works that's how hubris works we owe a huge uh, thanks to our backers uh they've been 100 so patient and so kind and so enthusiastic to us throughout this process as we figure out all the little minefields we've waded into Uh, and like armand said like the biggest thing was just I think we set the goal for ourselves of this. I think we can have this out by the end of the year and we probably could have, but the end of the year happens to be where a lot of uh, major holidays rest and where shipping becomes a nightmare. So that was almost yeah. the biggest thing that made us set back the production of the book. Um, yeah. But having that breathing space really let us uh, polish off some things that need to be polished and take the time to make the necessary edits. Um, and we're confident we're going to get the best story possible into the hands of our readers. One, 100%. Um, our initial goal, uh, our deadline, as we said, it was we will start fulfilling orders in December of 2023. Uh, we were very excited by the idea of you round the year out by releasing Frog Night. You get it out there, um, get it in everyone's hands, probably for the holiday season. Uh, and then I was I was speaking offhandedly with one of, you know, one of one of the many very talented artists who have run Kickstarters before. That I've been lucky enough to to become friends and associates with um, a, a gentleman by the name of EPHK who does fantastic work, and he's run a bunch of Kickstarters. And I, I was talking to him, and I mentioned offhand uh, 
that we were going to be uh, shipping in December. I was like, you know, things are going great. Uh, I'm a little under the gun right now. I got COVID. That was a whole thing that happened that laid me up for like a week and delayed things. But I'm I'm doing good. I'm doing great. We're going to ship in December. And he told me in no uncertain terms ever under any circumstances ship anything in December. Uh, and then relayed to me a number of horror stories about because of the the sheer chaos of the holiday season um the and the sort of you know extra stress and strain on the shipping infrastructure he's like 10 percent of everything i've ever shipped in december has just disappeared like poof gone into the ether um and on top of that you know delays of weeks to months is not uncommon and also and i can't believe like i cannot believe to this day i'm kicking myself that we did not foresee that we said december awesome print it cut done uh, never once thinking we are going to get totally boned by the holidays. Um, I saw the 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 uh, you know like holiday price uh, lists for for shipping companies, and that was not going to be feasible at us feasible for us at all. I mean, we have we have a budget. We were lucky enough to make a a good amount of money, but built into the budget is a very specific amount of money for shipping. Um, with a little bit of leeway here and there, shipping rates vary, and also like shipping abroad is gonna is gonna suck so hard. We actually kind of bit the bullet a little bit and decided to to maybe dip into a bit more of our shipping budget than we intended for especially international shipping when we realized that the book was going to be a lot heavier than we anticipated because we uh, did not in initially anticipate like a sixty page uh, sort of mega issue. Um, where was I going with this? All oh, right, so you know, a six, 6% 6 increase in price, 15% increase in price for one package. That's fine. It's doable. It's, you know, it's, it's a couple cents, maybe a dollar, two packages. Fine. We're shipping over 800 physical orders that would completely destroy our budget, um, for shipping, just gone dead. Uh, and we, we, we had to make the professional and adult decision to just say, we are delaying delivery of this book. We can't do it. Um, we're we're very sorry. We know this is what we wanted to do. We will still release the uh, the PDF copy, the digital copy, on time in December. But we, for the good of the project, can't release the book uh, as we initially intended. And as Digby said, it worked out great because we use that delay to add an extra layer of polish. Um, we don't have we don't have we don't have a, a publisher. We don't really have editors except ourselves. The only people that we owe anything to, the people we answer to, our constituents, are our backers, our supporters, and the people that that read and support Frog Knight. And we owe it to them to produce the best, you know, the best material possible. And if that means that we're doing edits and changes and I'm redrawing panels, literally the day before we have uh, slated to get the book assembled and released to people, that's happening. That happened. Um... I wish I could make more changes, but what are you going to do? Digby, uh, please, please pick up. I've been talking for about an no, hour. No, I was going to, I was going to see if the interviewers wanted to ask a question. Yeah, I was just going to. Um, yeah, yeah Digby wants to know if you're going to do your jobs. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think the success of the, the book was a, a bit of a, a double-edged sword in that like uh, the, these problems that you encountered are a little bit uh, magnified due to the, 
you know, the number of backers you got in the, in the funding goal that you got? I think a little, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, I'm so glad that we get to share this story with so many people. And I would spend the next year laboring away in my basement, uh, filling people's packages happily, uh, because it means that Frog Knight gets to meet all these great people around the world. So, uh, yeah, for we, sure, we just might be doing it. that, though. I look forward to it. Yeah, Let's hang out. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'm I'm completely with Digby on this one. Um, it's it's not so much you know specifically the Kickstarter success. It's just the the knowledge that a lot of people are probably going to see Frog Knight more than I initially anticipated right out the gate. Um, and it definitely seems like there is an audience for it, and there is something we can build on. Uh, and that you know, as an artist, it it does make you want to. It makes you it makes you worry about what you're presenting to them and if it's the best you can do uh, in that moment. But also as an artist, there comes a point where you have to just say, like, look, this is what I got done. I can't redraw this book again. I've done a lot of changes and fixes and edited pages and changed things, but I can't I can't redraw it from the ground up. Um, it doesn't matter if it's the best I can do now. It's the best I could do when I started on this. Uh, and I, all I can do is is hope that the next issue is the best I can do now. And when I release the next issue, I'll hate that too. And that'll just go on for all of time uh, until I'm dead. But that's, that's you know, both the blessing and the curse of the artist. A little disclaimer um, for our listeners. Yeah. Armand is very hard on himself. The book is a banger. You're going to love it. it oh, thank you, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, have gotten, uh, we have gotten very good feedback. And it, it warms my heart, but it in no way uh, makes me interested to to go back and look through it because I will only feel pain. That's um, a topic for your therapist, I'm, not for the podcast. Yeah. The therapy <laughs> is the art. That's how this works. That's that's why I became an artist is to work through all of my issues. <laughs> that's that's. Um, I was going to ask about because you dig that you brought up fulfilling, like you know you know, making packages and stuff like that. Are you, are you and Armand splitting the duties of shipping or what are you guys doing there to, to send the books out? Uh, we're going to have a slumber party and more accurately, we're going to have like 30 to 40 slumber parties. Uh, I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where we're just going to labor away in my basement. And Armand definitely has the brunt of the work uh, in terms of like right before shipping, because uh, he made many beautiful promises to our many backers, including sketches and bespoke drawings on book plates and uh, all sorts of stuff like that. And because I have zero artistic talent, I don't have to do any of that. Uh, but my intention is to pick up the slack in the shipping department to make up for my uh, shortcomings elsewhere. Please, the writing on it is beautiful. I, I have to say, I was amazed by how professional everything came through on the writing end, on all the ends of the book. It's It's really something... Uh, it's a really stunning oh. product and, and you on have, top of it you have no idea you have no idea the the back and forth we had in the last couple weeks ironing oh out the writing god oh I my was, god i've been looking there forward was... to talking about this uh, yes okay yes, so, yes. all right you, you allow me. unload oh my god uh, so about a week before we were uh aiming to release the pdf uh i get a message from armand and he says hmm I think this whole thing needs to be an iambic pentameter. And I go, what? And he goes, I, I don't know. It's it's like it's medieval. It's, I think it should be in verse. I think it would be so cool. And I said, Armand, uh, not only is there 60 pages of story already written here that we're trying to release in a week, 
but there's also another like two years worth of stories that we've already written and planned out that are also written that will need to be rewritten. And it's really hard to write. I have written uh, plays in Pentameter. I've done some like Shakespearean projects. Uh, so I was actually really interested in it. But um, I, I recognize that it's one thing to write something in that structure. And it's another thing to write something well in that structure. So I thought it was a, a very bold plan to want to rewrite the entire book uh, in Pentameter a week before we release it. Um, and we met and we talked about that and a bunch of other things. And I said, okay, how about we, what if instead of the entire things in Pentameter, we make it more of a cultural thing and only the knights speak in Pentameter. It's kind of their like sign of nobility. It's their high speech. Um, and I will try that and we will see how it goes. Uh, Cause I was actually really looking forward to that as a project. Um, I thought it'd be super cool to write the knights in that more like sophisticated uh, poetic rhythmic sense and how we could then distinguish characters from each other in that way and so i did write the entire dialogue of issue one in pentameter that version exists somewhere uh and somewhat predictably uh armand went to start putting it into the uh frames and into the boxes and into the bubbles and there's no way in hell that fits in a comic book that's already drawn yeah there are so yeah, many changes you need to make to fit 10 syllables of every line and have it still be good and have it still fit the page. So we scrapped that idea and stuck with the original dialogue. Oh my God. Uh, that was a great adventure we got to have together a week before we released the PDF, rewriting the entire well, thing. The whole time you're telling that story, I was like, I did not notice that I, I that pentameter at all. No, no, because yeah. we didn't yeah. do it. <laughs> yep, you wouldn't. It did, I will say, as an exercise in trying a different style for the speech, when we went back to do final edits for dialogue, I kept some of the lines from pentameter there are a couple in there that are in pentameter or that are just in uh, they just have different new phrasing or or words that are inspired by the vocabulary we needed to use for the pentameter so mm -hmm. it did end up affecting the final dialogue that's uh in issue one uh and though i will say having done that there is a part of me that in my heart of hearts that's like god it would have been so cool to like set ourselves apart by having this whole thing be done in this shakespearean verse uh it would not have worked and it would have been a lot of, of yeah. work to get that to happen but um this is uh this is just a little a little peek behind the scenes of what it's like uh for us as writing partners <laughs> there's there is a reason comics are not typically written in in a in a, a metered um in a metered style like that uh digby absolutely did not have to placate my completely wild insane uh, end of the line idea where I was like, what if we just, what if we just tried some, what if we tried it out? Um, and in my defense, it was never, it was never a, a mandate. It was never, we got to do this. It was, oh, let's no, try no, it no, out no, see no. how it goes. Uh, it basically um, was him saying he thought it might be a good idea. Me saying, oh my God, that would never work. That sounds so fun. I'm going to go do it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and to Digby's credit, the version of the story, like the version of the the dialogue where the knights kind of have this high gothic uh, sort of Shakespearean like lilt to it is awesome. It's really killer. Um, it just, it doesn't work mechanically because you gotta, you gotta make the, you know, you have to make the lines fit the bubbles. And the minute you, the minute you can't make any edits like that, the minute you can't change things around to fit, fit spaces and, and, um 
to to create narrative beats in between panels, you're totally boned. You're totally boned in terms of the layout. It's so hard because you're you're too locked in. Um, I don't regret it for a second. Me neither. It, it was has, awesome. <laughs> it has given us some really interesting ideas about some characters moving forwards, um, and about working in uh, sort of a a sort of like metered dialogue in some other places, which I'm very excited about. Um, and I'm even more excited about now that we don't have to. Uh, make sure it's all figured out and squared away by the time we release a book in a week. Um, but yeah, that was, yeah, that was one of one of a great many experiments that we went through. Anyway, it still exists. So if you're listening to this, uh, shoot me a DM on Instagram and I will just send you the document and you can, you can hold it side by side with the PDF and you can imagine how it might have been. Don't give these people free behind the scenes content. Charge them for that shit. That's like, <laughs> we'll put that in the trade. We'll, when we do a collected issue, that'll be a part of the selling point. It's like, come see the original completely aborted script. <laughs> um, that's amazing that you guys went through that just to scrap it all in the end. But that also well, that's is not, like... That's not the only thing that happened. Okay, like that that happens a lot. Um... <laughs> What else happened? It was I was okay. Here's the I think this this was brought up on the last podcast. Armand was you redrawing silence. The silence. Oh my fucking god! Was that um, or, or am I wrong? Or was that during the? Oh no, you're you you're very that? right. And and yeah, now uh, it so yeah. Um, I redrew a lot on this book, a lot, a lot over over time because of how long the production process was. Uh, and it ended up being far longer than we anticipated. I got to do a lot of fixes and changes, uh, and I'm really happy with them. Um, but also like, I still, you know, even now some of the stuff that I, I fixed and changed, I didn't like, uh, the book is a, a, a sort of living document. It going through it is a really good, um, it's a very good succinct gallery of kind of where I was at artistically uh bouncing around all year like different stories kind of have different sort of foundational tenets um and like one of the ones is you know like a bunch of them are very minimalist i kind of got into this sort of like hyper minimalism um for a while i was looking at a lot of frank miller stuff trying to just really tighten up compositional things um in a way that ended up hurting some of the some of the energy um it created very stark, very readable compositions, but very kind of static images. Um, and you know, it's, it's to, to my detriment, but also it's a learning process. So I don't regret it for a minute. Uh, but yes, I, I completely redrew one of the stories. I hope my chair isn't squeaking too much. It recently broke and is now kinds of all kinds of wobbly. I hope that's not coming through. That was not a call, call to arms to subscribe to his Patreon, by the way, he needs a new chair guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> send him some Get love. me a new chair um oh no we'll do all the plugs at the at the end no worries um so yeah i you know a year ago i drew the story with the second story in there the second story in the book uh silence um and i really didn't like it uh it was a very sort of transitional at the time uh artistically speaking story um a lot of the the figure work was weird i was still just figuring out how to draw these sort of animal characters I'm still not great at it, but I'm I'm figuring things out even now. Um, the 
the characters that I'm working on in issue two already look leagues superior to the issue one animals. Um, I the compositions were really muddled. The pages were entirely too busy. I was relying too much on fixing it in colors and not really understanding how I was going to do that. There was a lot of flying by the seat of my pants on that story. And I, I redrew the whole thing. Um, and I hate, I hate the pages now too. Like I like them better than what I did. They're still very hyper minimalist. Um, I was drawing incredibly large. I was drawing very oversized. Uh, and there's, I know it's it's just for me, but to my eye, there seems to be some kind of blank areas. I did a lot of corrections on those pages in color with some some I uh, spiced up the backgrounds, and I I that was the story. I was I redrew a bunch of panels in that story uh, the week we were putting it out. Like I I was not happy with how that came out the second time around, um, which again is is another uh, sort of monument to the the artistic curse of. The more that you do, the less you like what you've done because the better you get at it. Um, but I also drew like half of the story balance. I, I redrew a bunch of pages in that because a lot of how do I put this? A lot of the stories in this issue are introductory. Um, and while stuff happens, perhaps it's not the most exciting uh, visually. It's a lot of somber moments and and quiet moody scenes and it's a lot of people talking um in 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 the various ways that they do it's a lot of people espousing ideas of chivalry or honor or unchivalrous sentiment and there's a little bit of violence and a, a little bit of of um tragedy but a lot of these stories are much more somber and quiet than some of the ones we have planned and as a result uh a lot of the pages to my eye were Boring as all hell, uh, because when you have two people standing around and talking, and I was being super minimalist at the time, man, there was nothing for your eye to look at. There was nothing, nothing to 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 take your 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 view through the page. There was nothing to lead you, um, and I was not happy with that. I I needed the characters to act more. That's kind of the thing I'm trying to work on, especially in issue two. Um, you know, I I find that. Whenever I finish a project and move on to to a new one, I in that moment have a very clear view of kind of the the thing I want to work on, uh, the thing I want to gravitate towards. And right now, it's it's character acting and character work um, to really to really up the energy in panels. So I'm excited for that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I read you a lot in this issue, and am I happy with how it all turned out? No. Uh, am I happy that people are really enjoying it? Absolutely. I will. I do not want my dislike of my own work to in any way affect how anyone else perceives it. I'm. I like I'm, how it uh, turned out. Thank you. Thank you, Diggy. <laughs> Who the hell cares what you say, Diggy? Shut up! <laughs> oh my God, Noah! Why? Oh uh, no, <laughs> that's great, guys. Seriously, um, it sounds like Armand, you've been boned, and now you have like a post nut clarity with this. Oh, you are, oh yeah. Comic. Oh yeah. What kind yeah, of journalism? Yeah. yeah. This is, Hard the hard hitting questions from Constructing Comics podcast. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, except it's like I don't know. How do you work in a combination of of hubris and lack of intellect into that metaphor? Like a lot of a lot of like the issues to. were created. <laughs> all of the problems that I dealt with were created by me to begin with. So it's not. Yeah, it's it's all self contained. 
Yeah, I, I think, and it's really cool to, but this is the first time we've had something like this where we've like before, you know, we've, we've had it while you guys are promoting the book and then right before, like right at the end of production. So it's cool to hear yeah. the lessons and that's what we're all about is just sort of what we can I, take away from what we've learned, which is, yeah. which is I'm, great. I'm super excited. I'm super excited that because we've done the previous interviews, we've gotten all of the, the boilerplate bookkeeping out of the way. We've done all that. Now we get to really dig into the, the sort of, nitty gritty of the production and the 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 conception and the genesis of the project it's oh all the yeah really fun today we're to talk talking about. about shipping rates yeah yeah oh my god Hold on you to your fucking hat. scale yeah yeah <laughs> i got a scale i got all kind i gotta you know what i do have to buy um i i've been putting it off but i gotta a new chair go get me one of them i gotta get me a printer a uh, label maker yeah, for a thousand backers, that's worth the investment yep. there. Yeah, on that. Yep. What, yeah, what I really, sure. what I really need is like a minion. I need like an underpaid or per, maybe unpaid, um, like Igor type character who can do all my shipping for You're me. You're describing me. <laughs> yeah, the problem is you, you like, you can't like live in my basement, um, and just work constantly. You have like a job and a house and and a wife. So, oh, you knew me. I can, work, I can work unpaid in a basement. That's true. That's the guy. Yeah. What do you think writing <laughs> is 99% of the time? That's true. You're already working sort of unpaid to do this. So this might uh, take us back a little bit, but um, do you think um, you know, with your experience, Armand, in the in the Kubrick school, do you think it would be beneficial? Or if there uh, maybe there was, and you know, it just didn't fit your schedule is there any sort of like back-end production classes in in at the cubert school or is it just like you said more the the front-end production the the penciling the inking uh, coloring and the lettering when i attended uh cubert there was not um there really needs to be i i genuinely think that there should be um it's a little it's a little kind of iffy because the classes I know that um since I left the new new owner and president Anthony Marquez has changed up the class schedules a little bit um and everyone takes the same classes it's a very small program uh I really like having done this I absolutely think that there should be a a post you know a back end production thing I think that that should be something that is is featured um I also completely understand why it's not because you know the the Kubert school is was it was founded by Joe Kubert um it was run by his sons for many years and uh it's the sort of you know as I know especially in its in its greatest heyday it was the sort of preeminent and possibly only like comic book school in America um and in that being what it is it focused very much on American comics and how American comics are made and the way that American comics are made is it's a completely uh, segmented process. It's very industrial. Uh, someone will do pencils and someone will ink those and someone will color those and someone will letter those. It's a, a, a very um, a very kind of minute and uh, pedantic division of labor. That's what gets American comics out on a monthly basis. That's how you make comics monthly. You just break it all up. Um, I have my own issues with that. I think that it strips a lot of the sort of personal artistry from the comic, but also 
when you're doing comic books as an industry in the way that American comic manufacturers are, that's the way you got to do it. And because the Kubert school acted as sort of a pipeline for comic book artists, mm -hmm. well, you don't really need, you know, it's good to know how to letter. It's good to know how to ink. It's good to know how to color. But a lot of the, a lot of the guys I went there with, a lot of the students I went there with, um, didn't want they, they didn't want to be editors they didn't want to be production people they wanted to draw batman and they wanted to draw uh you know they wanted to draw their comic and, and ink their comic but the most of the people that were going there most of most of kind of how the 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 school and in, in it hand in hand the comic industry in this country works uh i understand why they did not have a more expressly um kind of back-end, all-encompassing production course. Would it have been so awesome in retrospect? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also, I learned it on my own um, through, you know, knowing other people, knowing people helps. Um, and I got it done. It got done. The comic got made. And I am so incredibly proud of it. Uh, whether or not I'm okay with the art or the story, I just kind of lay there and I go like, I, with my own two hands made a comic from nothing and that in itself is is i one of my one of my more recent uh favored achievements i'm very happy with how it came out um with with uh digby's uh absolute support and assistance in making that happen that was a really great process the whole way yeah and i think one thing that might be interesting that is if they did have a back-end process how that probably would have evolved in the last say five to 10 years. Cause you know, at one point it probably, you know, even going further back, you know, it was, you know, FedExing pages around and at some point oh, it was yeah. scanning and now probably you would have shifted from, Hey, I need to get this page ready for my editor at Marvel to, Hey, I just kickstarted this book and you know, I'm doing this stuff. So that process probably, you'd probably have to go and refresh that course. Maybe, every three to five years probably i would think if you yeah i mean i know as as few as as few as like 10 or so years ago uh the Kubert school had a course on on uh pay stops and corrections um you know doing doing traditional by hand uh edits to pages where you you take an exacto blade and you cut things out and you stitch new things in that's all digital now that's all all encompassed in 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 the digital um courses and i had i had some phenomenal digital instructors and they taught me all the things I needed to know about all, all the things I could want to know. Um, but yeah, it's, you're absolutely right. The, the sort of turnover in, in production, uh, production methodology, especially in, in the digital age of comics, um, is, would necessitate, I think, pretty rapid change. And also there is not really uniformity uh in the sort of digital age of comics between things like um web comics with the infinite scrolling format between uh the fact that you can get anything if you really want published and printed um there's not a whole lot of consistency in terms of uh of what you have to do to get things out um you can have things printed at any scale at any quantity uh, even even the major companies like DC and Marvel have different templates that are slightly different sizes and dimensions, and it all relatively equalizes. You know, your standard American comic is like six point six nine inches by 
uh, like 10 or 999 or something like that. Um, but there is an infinitude of possibilities for how you can format and create and publish stuff that you really have to know where you're going. Um, and that was the big problem I ran into is I didn't know what the end goal was supposed to be. I had to kind of build build there. And now knowing knowing exactly what I need to do to have this printed the way that I want it printed, to have it compiled the way that I want it compiled, I can now that I know to do all that ahead of time, that that alleviates a lot of a lot of stress for me. But the there is not, you know, there's there's not a, a cohesive vision for everyone. You can do whatever you want, and that's awesome as hell. Agreed. Amen. Um, so what's next after like after you guys get it all shipped out? Are you guys gonna take a break? Just give yourself a vacation, uh, or is it on to new, <laughs> more frog night? Armand's already started drawing issue two. Oh my god! Yeah, the man's. I I, I don't know what to do with him. I I I, I, don't, I have to like knock him out to get him to take a break. Well, I mean, so kind of with me is that um, I've had my break. Uh, yeah, ever, ever since the Kickstarter wrapped, I've kind of spent that time working frantically doing edits and changes and production stuff. But I kind of haven't really drawn Frog Knight. You know, and like a, I haven't drawn like a narrative co comic with Frogman in it for a while. Um, I've drawn other things, I've done other jobs, but uh, even though I was working doing digital and production and coloring and all that, I, I had my break from 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 the pages. I had my break from drawing. So now that it's over, now that I've had a couple days of of where I can I can just relax and breathe and the really wonderful experience of knowing like. If I do nothing today, I'll have done nothing wrong because we put out a comic and there's officially no work that I have to do right now. Man, you can't um, even do nothing after, right. I know, right? I, I had that for a couple of days Damn. and, you know, because because we've had the stories, you know, more or less hammered out because we know where we're going. I've been I've been sitting with 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 issue two in my head for a while. I've been seeing the shots I want. I've been seeing the storytelling I want. And I just said to hell with it uh i'm i'm gonna start it and i've been been working on on the first story the past couple days and it's just falling out of me it's flowing really good i'm having a great time um i'm really excited and i'm sure when i'm by the time i'm done with it i'll hate these pages but <laughs> i'm 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 really loving what i'm putting on the page right now uh so in this moment we can we can mark this in this moment i i i'm having a lot of fun so Issue two is is on you know in the future and hopefully the much much nearer future. Now that um now that we have have uh verified that there is a uh readership for Frog Knight, now that we have kind of verified that it's a it's a relatively profitable enterprise, uh I think we can sort of put it more towards the the you know, we can get it off the back burner, as it were. Um we would we would definitely kind of like to maybe keep our eyes open for for publishers or distributors, but at the same time, uh, just getting getting the next issue put together is is what I'm excited for. Uh, we got a lot of stuff coming. We got a lot of a lot of really fun stories planned, and I'm super jazzed about it. Um, and also, 
the reception has really, really, uh, really pushed me to that. Um, hearing people respond to the material and hearing, you know, their their thoughts and their takeaways, uh, and talking to the people involved has really just made me very excited to to get the next issue out. Because now things can start happening. We've done we've done the introductions. Now we can really start kind of cranking away at uh, deeply, deeply sad and painful, uh, heart wrenching stories. And before we were really faking it, you know, like we we've learned a lot in this process, and now we actually kind of know what we're doing. Yeah, that that helps too. That really helps. Yeah, hopefully they'll never be as hard as this again. I'm I'm sure it will be. I'm sure issues will <laughs> manifest. Um, I'm sure that that uh, our our oversights and confidence will get us into trouble. Um, but we're not going to make these mistakes again. So that is a step in the right direction. And I don't I think perfect. the best yeah. part of yeah. this production process is that now we get to look forward to making fun, new, interesting mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a quick question about uh, issue one. Um, I know that you guys no. described how we have the, uh, you know, the issue that you guys, you know, still have a lot of shipping and, and stuff to do. Um, you know, anybody listening to this that that didn't, uh, you know, you know, back the Kickstarter or have a chance? Um, are you guys thinking about any alternative means of, of of getting the the book to to readers who didn't see it on the Kickstarter? Like I said, I know you guys have your hands full, but have you thought about like, hey, you know? we're going to open up like a storefront and, and take more orders or anything like that. We are so uh, glad yes. you asked. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. It has happened. Um, so I just like just the other day, uh, finally, finally got a website up and running. Um, and that is, that is going to be kind of my hub of all of the things that I'm trying to disseminate, which includes, you know, comics, original art, prints, merch, stuff like that. You know, I have my online store set up. Um, if, if anyone is listening and does not have a copy of, of Tales of the Frog Knight and is interested in reading it or shopping my original art or whatever, uh, plug, plug, you can find that at Armand Bodner, A-R-M-A-N-D-B-O-D-N-A-R.com. Uh, because of, because we just launched, I have, uh, heard that there have been some issues with people accessing it, uh, to my, to, to the best of my knowledge, to my understanding, it's because the domain has not yet fully propagated. I really don't quite know what that is. I'm not a tech-savvy person, but I have been informed that it should correct itself in a few days. Uh, fingers crossed. So so hopefully everything should be sort of perfectly up and running. But people have got on it. People have, have bought it. Um, so if you go there, you can, at this exact moment, get a digital download copy of Tales of the Frog Knight Issue 1. Uh, we will be offering physical copies as well. However, they will not go up uh, for sale until after all of the Kickstarter rewards have been uh, shipped and delivered. So probably closer to March. It'll be it'll be a couple of months before we finally seen everything off. I'm sure, given how how uh, shipping and, and and handling and things like that go. But yes, uh, you can find Tales of the Frog Knight online at armandbodner.com. 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 <laughs> That like tickled my brain. You will yeah, not find anything so nice. at digbybakerporzinski.com because there's just too many letters. <laughs> That's actually a really good segment into, you know, 
I think we, we've, we've had a good discussion here, but where can everybody find you guys, look at what you're doing, get updates on Frog Night, et cetera. Um, you know, drop your socials here on the, Wait, are we, the podcast. Are we calling it a sure night already? On the code note. Uh, well, I mean, do you have more? Do you have more, Armand? <laughs> oh, I mean, we could talk forever about the 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 material behind it. Um, Specifically, he I mean, talk I, forever, and we could all. Yeah. Listen. Well, I don't know. I don't know about you, Digby, but I got we we have all kinds of all kinds of stories about how Frognut came to be that I'm now much more excited to tell the people. Like, it's there's no use explaining to people why things are what they are when they haven't read a book that doesn't exist yet. But now that it's out there, it's. <laughs> It's fun. You got us yeah, some material for time. our third interview, Armand. Yeah, we, we can do that another time. Yeah, let's save that for the third interview. <laughs> but I do, but you guys are going to come back on for sure, right? Like we're, 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 I'm hoping you are. This is, this is, a, oh yeah. It's always a good time when you guys come on. I always learn some such cool stuff from you. Killer. Both. We'll talk to yeah. our people. Yeah. 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 Well, let's just, touch. let's just do it economical and we'll record a second one right now. And you guys can release that like it's brand new content. Yeah. Let's bank some, yeah. Let's bank some podcasts here. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, yeah. But let's just, yeah. Let, let's, let's cap it here and uh, let's tell everybody where they can find you guys and find updates on, on obviously your art, Armand, your writing, Digby, all of the, all, all of that. Uh, all right. So you can find as we, as we just went through, you can find, um, my online storefront as well as, uh, the digital down, the digital version of Tales of the Frogman issue one on my website at Armand Bodner, A-R-M-A-N-D-B-O-D-N-A-R.com. If you can't access it again, I apologize. Um, and I would just kind of, uh, cry your pardon and patience while we get the last of the growing pains sorted out. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram. Uh, at my name, Armin Bodner, where I, I do most of my kind of online social media posting. Um, and you can follow me on Patreon at my name, Armin Bodner. Uh, on Patreon, that's where Tales of the Frog Knight uh, sort of lives. That's where I update pages as I as I finish them. I'm, I have been especially recently very bad about getting stuff up there. Uh, my, my patrons are more than generous uh, with their time and with, with letting me um, kind of waddle on on getting things posted because social media is is very hard and i'm kind of really not as online as i should be for someone who's trying to build a brand uh and that's it i don't i don't use any other social medias i have accounts on other ones that i used for promotion of the kickstarter but i don't i don't i don't tumble i don't tweet uh i don't facebook so just instagram patreon my website armandbonner.com read read frog night tell me tell me what you think please Digby, where can the nice people find you? Uh, most of me can be found by the nice people at all of the locations previously listed by Armand. Uh, I think that in terms of following Frog Knight's story, that's where we'll be putting most of the updates on his new website. Uh, Kickstarter backers will continue to receive updates uh, to us through Kickstarter. Uh, as for me, I don't have a lot of a social media presence out there. Uh, you're welcome to come hang out with me on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is underscore underscore Digby. It's D-I-G-B-Y. Uh, and besides that, mostly uh, keep in touch with Armand because uh, he's the he's the real guy to follow. No, I I meant like, what's your exact physical location? What's, <laughs> yeah, how do I find address, it? Address, please. Yeah. If you bring a housewarming gift, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my address right now. I know where you live. I can find you. 
I think it's a great note to end on. Just cut it yeah. there. Like yeah, just hard five, no credits, yeah. no uh no yeah. teases, just I can find you. And then <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. it's it's I can find you, and then we just cut right to like the frog knight theme. <laughs> oh, you guys oh, play right. That. There's a theme, yeah. Oh man. Yeah, it um, kicks ass. Can you introduce yeah. us with that? So well, yeah, oh, no, so yeah, the put, last, that, put that in the, the beginning. Last, no, the last interview we did with our friends, we we put the theme for their kickstarter yeah. comic oh, at the beginning yeah. and at the end oh yes yeah, yeah. We'll, so yeah we'll, send it over we'll, we'll put it on the show yeah, yeah let's we'll, do that we'll, shit. we'll do that uh the frog night theme was written and composed written and composed by lauren montague who is a great friend of ours uh and a local artist uh yes. you can find um, it on spotify he, you can find him on spotify i was not prepared to plug him though so i don't know where else you can find him uh spotify i think is is kind of the main one um yeah he he absolutely knocked it out of the park with park with that theme it's phenomenal it's beautiful it's exactly what i would have wanted it to be and he did that on his own it was uh, unsolicited he, <laughs> it was an unsolicited so cool. which is the best kind of artistic material yes yes we've got a bunch of really amazing unsolicited <laughs> frog night stuff uh which i have greatly enjoyed um so yeah yeah that was that was that was one of those one of those kind of little moments that tells you like I think people like what we're doing. That seems really fun. I like what you guys are doing too. And oh, I'm oh, really excited you. to see what, what happens next. Uh, I'm excited to get yeah. the book in print. I'm really excited about that. And uh, Oh, I'm I'm excited yeah. about that. We're so excited. I just can't yeah. wait to have it in my hands. Yeah, we're yeah. we're hoping, hoping beyond hope. Uh the proof copy should be here in like a week or two, and we can finally, finally get this 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 thing like affirmed and taken care of and i can finally hold one in my hands and just kind of know like we did it we did it hell yeah well thank you guys for coming on again it's always a blast uh, oh thank you for having us thank you guys yeah. great. Matt, yeah, this was uh, excellent armand, as always uh matt do should we have armand tell us to follow us on all social media platforms <laughs> yeah do you can you do the outro, you do our, our outro? Uh, what's what's uh what's what's the outro what do you guys want uh, just tell tell everybody to follow us on all their social media, all the social medias. Um, just search the comics, the, the Constructing Comics podcast on all social media. You'll find our accounts. And, all right. I can, I can you know, do that. On all the podcasts. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, are we ready? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I'm not editing any Thank of you this for out. Listening. This <laughs> is how it's going. <laughs> we going? All right. Yeah, yeah. All right. I'm taking this yeah. out. I'm taking this out. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Constructing Comics podcast please feel free to follow us and follow the guys on all social media platforms just search for constructing comics um do you guys have like a sign off you want me to say something fun stay safe uh all right and read some comics yep. Brock, right. stay stay each other. was it matt was it matt say what was it uh again? thanks for listening be safe be nice to each other and go out there and make some comics all right yeah be safe be nice to each other make some comics and 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 buy my things. Read my stuff. Very important. com. As promised, here is the Tales of the Frog Knight theme, written and composed by Lauren Montague.